Welcome to the Hear All Voices podcast by Speaky. I'm your host, Scott Lane, and in this podcast, I will bring you a fresh perspective on all things ESG. I'm joined by experts who will provide a clear step-by-step path for companies to integrate ESG at every level and conversations that will challenge you to abandon your current thinking and use the principles of ESG to drive business performance, build value for customers, and protect the community and the planet. Welcome to the Speaky Hear All Voices podcast. My name is Scott Lane, and I will be your host for today's podcast. For those of you who have not joined one of our Hear All Voices podcasts, we have a short podcast where we tackle all things ESG, and we're joined by a series of experts in each podcast, giving us their perspectives on a key ESG issue. Aim is to help companies make ESG a competitive advantage for their businesses. Today, we're going to be tackling one of the complexities in social media and working through some ideas on how to leverage social media and in particular, social listening as part of your ESG initiatives. We know as organizations that not only building our environmental social governance programs, but monitoring and measuring them is absolutely key. And part of that involves data, reviewing data, understanding data, and hopefully one day getting to that stage where we can use that data to predict when issues might be happening. So why are we focused on social media? Firstly, social media is a very significant media platform that simply cannot be ignored. And to give you an example, in the last five years, we've seen a significant change to the way in which social media is used in terms of companies finding out about issues that relate to ESG. In fact, it was almost five years ago to the day that we experienced what has now become known as the Me Too movement. Now, what was interesting about the Me Too movement was that in most cases, people knew about the issues that were being experienced across the boardrooms and across management of some of the global's largest companies. Across the big banks, insurance, entertainment, law firms, professional firms, these Me Too issues were happening, but very, very rarely were they reported to the company. But we found out about it through social media. Social media was the tool that people used to start talking about these issues. And hence, we had a hashtag known as Me Too. So Me Too was that classic example of a personal and a corporate issue that was happening in real life that everybody knew about, but no one reported through the traditional reporting lines. But it became very clear in the social media. Now, of course, Me Too was a little bit different because it was celebrity-driven. So it naturally rose to the top of the media. Most of the issues that our companies are going to be dealing with are not quite as big to gain that level of seniority in the media ranks. So the big challenge is how do we uncover issues like Me Too? Now, of course, the other challenging piece is that there are over 60 billion messages a day sent through social media. Originally, they started out as text messages. Now it's multimedia, audio, 
video with new tools being added almost every day, the increase in internet users and the pure volume of devices which are connected to the internet and the internet of things means that that 60 billion messages in social media is just the tip of the iceberg. So if we stand back, we ask ourselves the question, if something is happening in our company in one of the key ESG areas, there's an environmental breach, there's an issue in relation to harassment or discrimination or bullying or race relations, or there's an issue around inequality amongst our team or our workforce, or there's a partner or a supplier being involved in corruption or fraud or some sort of sanctions breach. If it's being talked about in those 60 billion messages, how can we find it? So what we're going to learn today is how do we find it? How do we filter through that 60 billion of messages that's sent every single day? And how do we try and find information about our company and our ESG programs? How do we find it accurately? How do we find it quickly? And how do we find it in a way that impacts the company and drives part of our monitoring and measuring? The answer is social listening. So to get the answers, I'm going to welcome our colleague and our friend, Joachim Verberg. Joachim is with a group called Tricycle, based in Amsterdam in Europe, and is a leading expert to guide us through the landscape of what is known as social listening and how we can use social listening as part of a modern day and a mature ESG program. So firstly, Joachim, welcome to the program. Yes, and thank you, Scott. Uh, thanks for having me on today's podcast. Indeed, what you said, it's uh, a lot about social listening these days and the numbers you just mentioned, they are amazing and uh, mind-blowing. I'm happy to uh, talk to you today to walk it through and how do we get the data and how do we get insights out of the data. Great. And firstly, you've been involved in obviously marketing and looking at customer relationships and pieces of information for a long time. And you're very heavily involved in this space. Tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get involved in this social listening piece? Yeah, that's an interesting one because it's uh, not coming from the ESG environment, from the marketing and sales environment, actually. So we've been uh, working in marketing and sales for about 15, 16 years, working with big global companies like uh, Microsoft, Accenture, our business where it started out with was to help them get more insights on their key accounts for their sellers, for the marketing teams, for PR teams to be insight driven. From there, in the last, let's say, eight to 10 years, we've been focusing on, hey, what do we see happening on social and what can we use there? So what we do now, especially the last six years since we've opened our social listening center or our social command center, as uh, some will mention it, is to help them win in the social space. And it's been focusing on marketing mainly. Just a quick example for you is, for example, you have some big, big accounts. How do you know what they are up to? What trainings are they following? What do these people say? Key account managers want to know what their leads are saying on social. What we do is to collect that information and give it to marketing, give it to sales, give it to PR, give it to com support, for example. And then they can use that in order to uh, be in contact with their, their clients. So that's the background where we're coming from. And we've built it up over the years. It sounds fantastic in the background and applying that experience from the marketing and sales perspective to the area of compliance and governance and ESG. I've had the pleasure of working with you and your team now for almost 10 years and using some of your talents and skills to expand into the compliance and governance space. For the background 
Let's talk a little bit about social listening. So we're all familiar with the concept of media monitoring, and we're all familiar with the size and the depth of the social media platforms. Tell me, what is social listening? What are we listening to? And frankly, how do you do it? How do you sort through those 60 billion messages? What is social listening? Yeah, that's a good one. So first, I think it's important to clearly have it right, the the difference between social monitoring and social listening. So listening is something that we've been doing all along eh? for many, many, many years, actually. The thing is, now we can do that at scale using social channels. Social monitoring, it's really collecting the data and it actually tells you what is happening. You monitor, you collect the data and that's it. Social listening goes a little bit deeper, so it tells you the why. As you just said a little bit before, we are looking for messages. We are looking for uh, the red flags that we see coming up. Even before somebody officially contacts the company or makes notes of it through their official channels. And that's the, uh, that's the part of, uh, of the listening that you do. So what's happening? What do we see? And then go in and zooming into that part. It's providing insights behind the words that we see. So social listening, in the end, it's all about collecting all the information. You just mentioned the 60 billion messages a day across all the platforms. So what we do is to collect all that information. But first, you need to understand where you want to listen to. So that is the really the big challenge in the beginning. So out of all those messages, where do we start? When we have a really good solid start, we do that combined with your specialist, our specialist, and then the client as well. Then you collect all the data and then you try to filter that down, break it into pieces. And from there, you try to get insights out of it. And that's the listening part. And let me tell you that it's not just a one button thing. No, it's trying, testing, uh, really trying to understand what you see and what you hear. And from there, build that out. And so how much of what you do involves a human element in addition to a technology element? So how much is really driven by sort of expertise and knowledge of trend analysis and looking and listening for particular cues and how alert do you and experienced do you need to be to be able to identify those areas? Well, actually, it's a lot of human uh, involvement. So yes, we do have the tools. We use many, many tools to collect all that information. But what I just said before, eh? so you first need to sit down with some really big brains to understand, hey, what are the topics that we're listening to? But then If you decide that, the fun part is that when you start setting up the tools, setting up the filters, you get a lot of data in. And we just talked about the amount of of messages that we see. A little bit later, I can give some examples, but you just simply cannot run through all the messages that you collect. So here comes the part of filtering to the system, to the tools, and then you need to find some, you need to analyze it. And that part is really like you need some, some good brains. We have some experts on that field who are trying to make sense out of out of the data. So what do we see? What are people actually saying without saying the word? For example, you just mentioned the Me Too movement. Eh? It was um, five, five years ago. Actually, in the beginning, the first couple of months, there was no usage of the hashtag Me Too, for example. But you saw stuff happening on social. You could see it, you could see it happening. You, see, you saw the trend everywhere. And then it exploded. And what you need is an indeed like an analyst makes sense out of the data and tweaks the system constantly in order to get like insight out of the data. So to your question, it would be about 20% tools, 80% people power. And I'm assuming that when you're monitoring and you're listening for trends or issues, particularly around compliance and governance and ESG, I'm guessing that you don't find 
obvious statements of I saw someone pay a bribe or I saw this sort of activity. I'm guessing that you see less of those comments, but you see more underlying trends and observations, which to a trained eye actually add up to something significant. Is that accurate? Yeah, exactly. Like indeed, especially you just talked about banking, for example. So people don't say um, this bank just um, yeah wasted my money or something. You know, it's people are pretty uh, discreet about it, especially on social. Everybody knows that it's there and it stays there. But indeed, you're looking for the words behind what people are saying. So if you, for example, uh, you first break it down into pieces. So discrimination, for example. So you want to know what's happening around discrimination then words that we find sometimes are silenced, for example. I think this is a beautiful one that we found in one of our clients. People are being silenced at in a certain process with a customer in this case. Or painful. These are the words, like what's painful? And then you zoom in on that. And that's something like painful is not a word that we thought of in the beginning. Eh? So we're listening to thousands of words. And th- those are not the words that we set up in the beginning No, this is the results that we get. And then we zoom into that and say, hey, we see the combination of racism and painful or another one is uh, fat shaming, for example. Like these are words, how are they all connected? So people do not say it out loud. Sometimes they do. And when they do, we find the combination of words and zoom in on the other words as well in other messages. Fascinating. Let's do an example. So I know one of which both you and I worked on together, which I think people would find really valuable, is the example of a, of a global airline. And a global airline looking to turn on social listening from an ESG perspective. And so a number of key issues were being looked at and a number of keywords and key elements were applied. And I know that your team worked fairly hard to really identify some key indicators that were of significant concern, actually, to this company. Can you talk us through a little bit about what you found, what some of your observations were through that process? Yeah, that wasn't really an exciting one. And of course, with an airliner, you have a lot of consumers, eh? so a lot of people uh, using that airline globally. So that means you get a lot of data. And when it's global, it gives another extra layer because now you have different languages, you have different cultures, so you need to make sense out of that. So to first come back to your first question, like how do you need human capacity there to make sense out of the data? Yeah, the more complex it gets, the more you need a trained eye to really make sense out of it. But to come to this to this example, eh? so this major airliner, so what, what we do, we create these reports which gives insights. And if you look at the month, for example, and the example that we created, we collected 100,000 messages, a little bit over that even. The 100,000, they were created by 40,000 people. So just imagine the, the amount of, uh, of messages that you get. And again, you cannot read through all those messages just in one month. And then what we got, so we first started with, okay, let's break down the teams that we want to, to go over. So we just talked about discrimination, but in this case, like an airliner, you want to know about operational quality, you know about service, harassment, right? So these were all the topics that we created in the beginning. Just so, hey, what do we see if we start listening there? What we saw is that two things actually popped out. Of course, there's uh, a lot of stuff around fraud, for example, but two major things are uh, were highlighted in this report. One was discrimination and the other one was operational quality. So of all the topics that we saw, this was clearly like about 50% of all the messages that we saw was like in one of those two buckets. And of course, these are just the messages where we think like this is a signal. And again, you pick this up so fast that even before people 
go to the official channels, they put it on internet, you know, they put it on Twitter, they put it on Instagram, they put it on wherever on social media. So again, discrimination, operational quality, if we zoom into that, and now we know, okay, these are the two big points. Zooming into that, we can actually find some quality insights. Eh? For example, there were a little bit more or actually a lot more men than women complaining, mostly through mobile devices. Makes sense, right? Because you are on the way traveling and that's when people get uh, these messages in the air. If we zoom in on the discrimination, that was the biggest part. And what we saw, discrimination happens everywhere and we collect information about that like a lot for, for all customers. It's something you want to jump into and respond and make sure that uh, use that information. However, in this case, there was somebody with a like really big follower group. And I'm talking about two, 300,000 followers on Twitter, this was. It was one person who felt discriminated and put a post out. So that's one thing. But then what happened is that a lot of people responded to that with similar experiences. And now you see that exploding. And that means for, for the customer, they have a lot of work to do to respond to those messages, to collect that information, see what's happening. And it happens really, really, really fast. And here, what we found is the, the, the combination of words. I, I just mentioned it before, like the, the word silence and painful discrimination, of course. And now you see a lot of people using specific hashtags. And as this goes on, people, they see a message and then they use the same hashtags again because they want to be part of that discussion. And that helps us to identify what's really happening and then deliver this to our customers so that they can actually respond. And I think then typically, you know, in that case, what was really interesting was that from an ESG perspective, particularly the S in ESG social, what it did was give us some indicators to frankly go back to the client and really talk about some key harassment, discrimination bullying issues, both within their own company, but also connected with their client base. And there was clearly an indicator that suggested Africa was one of the key areas where these issues were coming from. And it really caused the client to stand back and say, do we have harassment discrimination workplace program? And is it effective in Africa? Has it been rolled out? Have we done training? Are people aware of these issues? And also, how do we get ahead of these issues going forward? So it wasn't something that someone reported through a traditional whistleblower, but it was an indicator that said to the company, we might need to revisit some of our initiatives in this area because clearly we're getting some noise and we're getting some activity on social, which is giving rise to concerns. So it was a very reasonable and accurate indicator that the company should do something. And in fact, they did. So it was a really good news story to try and get ahead of something that could end up being much worse if they didn't address it. Yeah, because it's, it spins out of control. And that's, of course, the big, a big worry for, for companies that uh, this all started with one incident. And then, of course, more comes to the surface. Eh? So you said it before, eh? it's a tip of the iceberg. And when something like this happens, then it explodes. And then you can really pinpoint hey, where it's coming from, in this case, indeed, in Africa, and you can actually do something with it. And same comes for the um, operational quality, for example. So super interesting. Eh? So companies that are working on that, uh, that scale, you also want to know like, hey, where do these messages come from? Do they come from the US or Europe or a specific country even? Talking about delay, refund, safety, cancelled, of course, in this case, uh, flights. The combination of these words, you can actually pinpoint where 
the weight of those messages, where are they coming from? And then you can track it down, hey, were there specific issues at that day or not? If not, if there were normal issues and you still have all these messages, then there's something else wrong, right? So it's all insights and pinpointing where the issues are or let's say, where clients, their customers, are experiencing issues. And that's, uh, for us, of course, the beautiful part of it, that we um, can track that on a daily basis. So that means you are you get that information really, really fast, and you can act upon it. And I guess you could imagine that it would need to be operating for a period of time, I guess, before you started to see results. I can't imagine that you'd be seeing things immediately. What sort of period of time do you recommend that someone would have an active social listening campaign before they kind of looked at it and said, is this effective or not effective? What would that period of time be? Generally, it takes a couple of months. It takes three months, more or less, to set up the tools, the system, to uh, your social ears, to really guide them. So what do we want to hear? Does this make sense? What do we see? Because every time you listen, you get unrespected results. And from there, you need to build up. So the, the build-up phase is about three months. After three months, the tools and the people are set up in the right way. If we run a couple of reports, and now you actually have something that you can build on. And then it takes another three months to build up trend lines, because trend lines are interesting as well. So the longer you do this, the more insightful it gets. So if you have harassment, for example, as an as a topic, and we find that, you don't find that every single day or every single week or even every single month. But if you do that month over month over month, what you will see is the trend line. And now, if you see words related to harassment, or related to fraud, or related to any of those topics, you can see a trend line. And the trend on its own will also tell you some valuable insights. So therefore, you need another, let's say, three months to see what's happening and to analyze the trends that we see. So to your questions, it's like three months of setup focusing all the tools and all the people in the right direction, and then three months of running so you can actually look back those months uh, to make sense out of it. understand. And one of the things we've been talking about already is, I guess, the specific examples of particular areas like harassment, discrimination, or bribery, corruption, or et cetera. But what about at a 40,000-foot level when we look at sort of ESG more broadly, uh, how much do you feel social media and the listing of it impacts a company's brand? How essential is it that from a brand value and protecting that brand as it applies to ESG, how important is it do you think that companies start to think about these issues and start to get ahead of it in order to protect their brand? Well, yeah, of course, very, very important. That's why we've been in this game for for over six years in in that social listening part, mainly for the brand. It wasn't a marketing-related topic a long time. And let's be honest, listening has been important forever. And it's just now that the skill is expanding. And that, to protect the brand, it's happening on social. It's the reality. And it's just for the brand, really, really important to understand and to listen what's happening. It's also so that protecting the brand... If there's any issues, uh, the, the example that we uh, that we gave, people now, uh, modern, let's say modern consumers, they expect companies to respond to those issues as well. So therefore, it's really important to have this set up. It's, it's actually, if you don't listen anymore, or if you don't listen at all, it will hurt your brand uh, for sure. If you come down to the ESG environment, of course, you are much more a specialist than me on that part. So we just use the same process that we've been doing for, for many years and apply that to this this case. Right. And I think your comment is actually really interesting about 
time and the speed that things operate. Because typically in some of those ESG risk areas, if an issue is raised through a whistleblower hotline, for example, or an issue is raised, there's typically a process that companies follow that could take weeks, it could take months to investigate or to review something. And typically throughout that period, there is this cloak of secrecy and cloak of anonymity and cloak of confidentiality where the lawyers and the forensic people will get together and conduct this review and investigation. And my observation has been that that is still relevant, but it is very much a declining area. The most significant area right now is the rapid response, is the rapid response in the expectations of people that when an issue surfaces and it surfaces on social media, that it's going to be dealt with. And there's an expectation that that an issue will be reviewed, it will be assessed, and there'll be a solution that is put together and communicated very, very quickly. And that in itself is really challenging for a lot of people in this area who are practicing because it's it's not what we're used to. It challenges the way we've been operating and it challenges the speed at which we have to operate. And what's really interesting about social listening is that we're trying to give people an opportunity to get ahead of it. If you get in early enough and you get in early enough to see those trends or those indicators, you may well be able to get in and stop something before it happens. But if you're not listening, you've got very little chance of getting ahead of it at the pace at which it moves. That pace, that's the tricky one, of course. If you don't see it, if you don't hear it, if you don't get that information to you, uh, that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And that's the uh, that's the thing that we see over and over again. So we see that people... Re- do not report on the regular channels, but they do leave a line somewhere in the social space. And again, those platforms, every year, (laughs) we got a a couple of new platforms out there. So that's also something that you need to keep in mind. It's not just Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook. It's much more than that. So people leave their comments everywhere. You want to be there in time, people expect you to be in time. And I guess another example, Joachim, is we've worked through an example of a professional services firm or a bank. And one of the things that I noticed in that example was that we had seen constant messages around this particular company having quite long working hours and you know really challenging people who took vacations and observations from people that pointed to quite a stressful environment. The sentiment around the workplace was tough and there was a kind of a fear of management and people were wanting to kind of speak out but really felt uncomfortable doing so. And even in social media, we didn't see direct comments, but we saw an undertone. And that undertone clearly pointed to some quite significant issues. How important is it to see that undertone early and to interpret it quickly so that you can get ahead of it? How important is it to do that? It's important to understand it. So how do you get that sentiment out of all the messages? Because indeed, if you're talking about bullying on the workplace or people don't say, I'm stressed with work, I need to uh, overwork, I need to spend too many hours. You know, people don't say that out loud in combination with their employer. That's an, uh, a tricky one to do. So what you can look like is or look at is the trend line there, but also if the messages there are like negative, positive, or somewhere in between, we can actually measure that. And that is uh, also an AI tool that is constantly updating uh, there to understand our 
how many of those messages are really negative. So they don't say in that many words, but for example, just a, a quick example, somebody can say, oh, finally Friday again, right? People say that all the time. When you have a meeting on Friday, for example, you just hear people saying that. And then you know somewhere like, hey, yeah, finally Friday again. But if it's in a really negative tone, you know that this person has, has had a, like a tough week. For example, on social, it works in the same way. So you want to listen to the sentiment of the messages and see there the trend line. So we just discussed a couple of months that you need for the trend line. So if you see that and you see it climbing, and especially in a specific area, that means you can focus there and see what's happening. Is it indeed happening? At least it's something that we that we listen to and that we then see. So the more information you have, you have the ability to actually act upon. So therefore, it's it's important. It's such a fascinating area at the moment to see the sort of mix of technology and you know, human experience and people like yourselves combined with that sort of focus and that area of ESG. It's a really fascinating area and I really look to see how it develops. But certainly it's another tool in the toolkit for companies that looking to develop ESG and actually build ESG and make it a competitive advantage for the companies. But they should do so with that concept of having their eyes open and having that observations in place, having that listing in place so that they can actually truly build on that information in real time and address things in real time. So if there was one or two things that you would give advice on as, as a parting gift to our audience, what would be those one or two things be? Yeah, it's first to really look at this as it is reality. It is, uh, it's what's happening. People feed the system of, of social media in this, uh, this, this case every day. So if you listen to that, at least you can be, you can act upon whatever you are seeing. So that's uh, the first one, to make sure that you have eyes and ears out there. The second one would be to try to filter it down because it's the data that you get is uh, enormous. So you want to filter it down perhaps per section, per uh, department, per topic. This is what we do with you as well. In order to make it, let's say, less complex. The less complex you can make it, the more sense you can make out of it. Uh, so those would be my two points to get started with this. Really think about where do you want to listen to and then try to break that up in pieces. That's great information. And on behalf of the Speaky team, Joachim, thank you very much for giving us some of your time. And you're clearly an expert in the space and we could learn a lot from you as we continue this ESG journey. So Joachim, thank you very much. Thank you, Scott. It was great uh, talking to you again, and it's great to uh, collaborate on this topic. Great. And for anyone else who's got any questions or follow-up, please reach out to the Speaky team, and we look forward to answering any of your questions. And of course, we look forward to seeing you at the next edition of the Hear All Voices podcast, brought to you by myself, Scott Lane, and Speaky. Thank you for listening to the Hear All Voices podcast by Speaky with me, Scott Lane. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, subscribe to our channel on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. We will be back with a brand new episode in a few weeks.